Welcome to the Utah Women in Leadership podcast series. Today we're going to be talking about the strategies that male allies or advocates can use to better advance women in the workplace. In January of 2019, we published a research and policy brief on the topic, and we want to discuss some of the highlights in this podcast today. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, founding director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project, and I'm here with Robin Scribner, the project's assistant director. Although Utah research has shown there has been some slight progress in terms of women in leadership in some sectors, national sources continue to rank Utah as one of the worst states for women's equality. Robin, I know you've been paying attention to the media like me, oh, yeah. and we continue to get those like every year, actually a couple times a year. Yes, it's Wallet Hub is one of those uh, that do that. Clearly, there's still work that needs to be done to really what I call, and I use the term, move the needle. I've been using that for years so that more Utah women can become leaders. And as you know, the research continues to show that most managers and top leadership teams, they really don't understand the value of why why we need diverse leadership teams, diversity on corporate boards, diversity in so many ways, in the state legislature, on city councils, and so forth. Yet the research is quite clear, as you know, that but organizations benefit more when both men and women work together in all kinds of settings. I mean, there's been research in business and politics and nonprofits and education and, and so forth. And so one of the reasons that we did this research is that sometimes we, we look, as you know, in our research, sometimes we look at the negative, like, here's Utah, here's the nation. But it's good to actually figure out what things actually do work sometimes. And that's what, what we did in this study. Right. That's one of the reasons this study was so exciting and interesting to get into. You know, in your conversations, the conversations that we have with business leaders, managers throughout the state, particularly when we're talking to men, because of the way uh, the conversations about gender and diversity are really moving forward within the state, we find so many male leaders or even just uh, regular employees who are working in their own sphere saying, I would love to help increase the amount of women in my company. I'd love to ha see more women in high levels of leadership. I'm not exactly sure where exactly. to start. And actually, don't you think in the after we're after the Me Too movement, you know, that some men are actually a little more nervous. They don't want to break rules or different things, but men are looking for tools. Men are looking for some strategies, don't yes, you think? Yes, you bet. And that's why this research is so exciting because we reached out to men who are already doing great things, men who are already actively engaged in helping to support and advance women within their workplaces. And we asked them, what are you doing? What's working? And we asked women as well. Yeah. And we really did. Uh, this was a large qualitative study and lots. We got so many great responses from both men and women. So for men, we asked in our research, and this was a qualitative study, as I mentioned, we asked what behaviors and strategies have you or other men been engaged in that have been helpful in the professional development and advancement of women? And then to women, we asked, you know, kind of the, the same question in a different way. What behaviors and strategies have men been engaged in that you have seen been helpful for you or that you have seen? And that, that really produced some interesting results. Oh, yes, for sure. And then we asked a final question. What else can you think of? So even if, if there were women or men that said, I haven't tried this before, but I wonder if this would work. So we got some interesting responses there as well. Yeah. 
And again, the reason that we really published this was to give some resources to men and women, I should say, but men particularly on what they can do to really help advance women in the workplace. And we know the national literature as well. And many of these things really, most of them, almost all of them actually lined up with the national research. Interestingly enough, from what we've seen, this is actually the largest study that's been conducted on this topic in the United States or in the world. So well, that's exciting. Yeah, it is. So we and it's on our very own population of of men and women here in the state of Utah. So let's so let's talk about the differences. I mean, there's been some differences in terms of the men and the women and their responses, but some similarities as well. Right. So let's start with the first one, developmental relationships. So that was the first on the responses from the men. And from the women as and well. And from the women. And men, it was about 61%. Women, it was even higher. It was 79%. Yeah. So, so they mentioned that. Why don't you talk about the results and the differences? Well, in terms of uh, the way men talked about how they were able to be helpful, both as mentors and sponsors for the women that they were working with in their organization, the difference, and hopefully our listeners know a little bit about the difference between mentors and spon- sponsors. Mentors are kind of a one-on-one relationship. It doesn't need to be within the same company or organization, but somebody who's really taking an interest in helping someone move forward in their career. Sponsors, on the other hand, have a lot of power, and they actually are within the same organization and really have the chance to help that individual get great opportunities, be mentioned for promotions and raises. And so both the men and women mentioned the benefits of having mentors and sponsors and how men in uh, the lives of the women within their organizations were really able to help move things forward. But in that, that sponsors, way. I, I just think that was so fascinating. And it, it's not a surprise because the research, in fact, there's one book out there that says, forget the mentor, you know, just get the sponsor specifically for women. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes men have more sponsors. I'm putting this in quote marks. You can't see it. And women have more mentors. Yet the sponsors are the ones that really help connect those individuals to uh, higher level networks, you know, the heads of the organizations, people in the community, resources, including funding to go to leadership training, funding for other kinds of things. And so it was really interesting to look at that. And from my memory of the research, it was more one-on-one, you know, telling stories, encouraging those kinds of things. That was useful as well. Yes, for sure. One thing that we found that the women talked about that was a really powerful way that men had engaged in developmental relationships with them was in power, networking, and connections. We know that within the state of Utah, so many of our positions of power are held by men currently. Yes. And so women found that the men in their professional networks, they knew how to connect them with just the right people. And and one of the women in our study said, that was the most powerful thing my mentor did for me was to introduce me to just the right connections within my own professional sphere. And I, I like, uh, we had one actual quote that says, I make sure I communicate my confidence in her ability to accomplish the mission and how well I believe she will succeed. It's fascinating. Of course, I speak all the time on women and confidence and how those one-on-one moments really can make a difference in those confidence as well. So, um, I, th- I think it's just interesting, uh, a wide scope of things. But again, back to the sponsorship thing, we can't 
forget that women and men both need sponsors right. and mentors are important as well. So anything else on that before we move on? No, just wanted to emphasize that both men and women, that was the top thing that they mentioned that was a powerful way that male uh, male allies could work on behalf of women in their organizations. And interestingly, I found it fascinating that women mentioned that the best male mentors and sponsors were those that were humble. Oh, yes, did you? <laughs> um, that really were humble. And and when they made errors, they admitted it. Yeah. So that was kind of in those same, um, you know, results as well. And then the last thing before we move on is uh, feedback. So oh, yes. I thought this was fascinating, that there was a real difference between men and women's responses on that. Women said, I need more feedback. I need them to tell me what I'm doing well, what I'm not doing well, what I need to keep doing the same. And that aligns with global research. Absolutely. Women get the positive feedback that's very generic. Hey, you're doing a great job. I, you know, I love what you're doing here at work without letting them know exactly what they're doing well, but especially the critical feedback, the constructive feedback. Here's what you need to do to improve. I think men sometimes are a little scared of doing that, but our research shows this is what the women want. They know that they need to hear that constructive feedback if they're going to move forward and grow into new roles. And the global research said for men and women, feedback is one of the most powerful types of professional development there mm -hmm. are. And so women in Utah are saying they want feedback. So so we need to, to move that forward and make sure men and women both give and receive feedback and maybe learn how to give and receive yeah, feedback. Because it's an art, right? <laughs> Yeah, so interestingly, the second main category that men said was really that they did and helped with and moved forward was really in the HR processes. And women mentioned that as well, but, but that, that was, was really the bottom. Right. We we broke down the categories of the top five things that were mentioned by both men and women. And HR process was, was the second most commonly mentioned by men, but the fifth most commonly mentioned by women. So it was still there, but only about a quarter of the women mentioned that one. Right. And had a lot of things be, you know, kind of in the higher list than right. that. Right. And some of these HR processes that we're talking about are things that, you know, we normally think of in terms of what's needed to help advance women, like identifying wage gaps within the organization, making sure that we've got diverse hiring committees, uh, that the language in terms of our recruiting and job postings is gender neutral, and it's not, you know, geared just toward men. So those were a lot of the things that were mentioned by the men. But when women talked about HR processes, they talked about it in a much more personal kind of way. They told stories about how important it was for them to get parental leave, to get clear. And women in general told more stories than Absolutely. men, right? <laughs> and that's, and that's <laughs> one of the things that we know that, that men, this can kind of be, you know, a lot of men feel passionate about this, but they don't feel it in the same way that women do, yeah. right? Who have faced a lot of barriers and a lot of challenges moving forward. But in terms of looking for flexibility in their work workplace and different, all those different things that come together and really support women within the organization. Women wanted those things. They didn't mention it as often as men, but they really talked about their own personal experiences. And that was powerful to yeah. hear and read. That work-life, work-family flexibility is so important to most, I would say most women, if oh, not yeah. all. And you and I both feel this. I mean, we I have four kids, you have six. Mm -hmm. um, you still have kids at home. I, <laughs> I do. <don't. laughs> I have a new little granddaughter and a grandson. And But the flexibility in my life 
to be able to take care of family issues, but also work when I want to. And and I'm a professor, so I get some flexibility. And you you have flexibility as well. But to me, that gives me the confidence and the I don't feel stuck. Sometimes right. when many women, you know, their child gets sick and she would feel stuck if she didn't have that flexibility. And that can add a lot of stress. And For sure. Stress can affect the health and, and relationships and all kinds of things. Right. One of the things that I think it's important to mention is that we could have a lot of guys there saying, well, I don't work in HR. I'm not in charge of creating these policies. But men, managers, top leaders, but but regular mid-level employees can speak out on behalf of those things. And sometimes it gets hard for women to always be talking about these issues. And there is a strength and power that comes as men speak out. We'd love some more flexibility within our workday. We'd love parental leave for both men and women. The uh, research has shown that when men take parental leave, it benefits the women within the organizations, and it certainly benefits the women and families as well. And so I think that that's a way that men can engage in these HR policies, whether or not they work in HR in any way. And I think still here in the state of Utah, we think even more than other states, we look at some of these great issues of flexibility and work-life balance and all of these things and still kind of section them off to be women's issues, right. when in reality, they're family issues right. and they're men's issues as well. We just, uh, as women, take on more of those things in our lives. But as you you talk about a lot, Robin, that, that this talent shortage that we have in the state of Utah, we've got to be more creative and looking for ways that people can be productive in the workforce, working, you know, in the company, actually in the desk or telecommuting. There's all kinds of ways that have been shown to, to add flexibility where you can still perform. Oh, um, absolutely. And so having both men and women involved in these conversations is really going to keep driving this yeah, movement forward. We need to not just have it women. And that's what we've really had through the years. So for the men in their responses, again, developmental relationships was first, human resources processes was second. But the third was leadership development. And that was pretty, that was like fourth for the women, I right. believe, right? So let's let's talk about that a little bit more. What, what were some findings that you thought were interesting there? Well, it's exciting to see that the different ways that the men were helping to support the women in their businesses, within their organizations, to really move forward. Some of the things that women talked about, the ways that men had helped them, was because men had access to certain resources, they had a voice at the table, and they'd make sure that if and women... More men do, specifically in Utah. That's what we find. (laughs) But they could really say, hey, can I give you some support to write an article? Can I give you some space within your workday to go do some professional development classes, to uh, propose a presentation, to give at a conference? Can I help get you some funding for those things? So that professional That's development, right there, oh, yeah. it is. It's critical because so many of these things we can't do unless our organizations are willing to support us. And more and men are forward. at the top, and so they're the ones with power and and more access to that flexibility. Right, for sure. And so those types of things that we think of as professional development for all men and women, all employees need those types of opportunities if they're going to grow, move forward and advance into leadership. And women recognized and were grateful for the specific ways that the men who were in positions of power helped them get access to those opportunities. And one of the things that was really in that category specifically, I think both for men and women, was really different job assignments, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes we don't think about that, but job assignments, even, even not a whole 
jump to a different job. I know in higher education, some of those job assignments would being on a substantial committee for tenure and promotion, Mm -hmm. or being on a strategic committee for, I'm in the Woodbury School of Business at Utah Valley University. And so being on a strategic committee that helps really figure out the strategy of the School of Business or Utah Valley University as a whole, those are really key things that may just be a committee assignment, but can really help me if I, and I've been on them through the years, really develop leadership development and how to how to get better at strategy or whatever the committee is. Right. And, and if men have those opportunities, they can look at women who'd be great at this and say, maybe you didn't know about this. I would love to invite you to come join this and work on this. Another one of the women in our study talked about how the, the men in her um, career actually helped her see not only professional development opportunities within her org- organization, but how they recognized that she'd be great even serving in the community yeah. and doing different activities to say, I'm going to grow as a leader within my organization, but maybe I'll uh, run for city council. Maybe I'll do these other things that are also going to help me both with my professional and social development. And I love watching some of the organizations, the companies in Utah really do that. I know I work often with folks from Zions Bank, and they really encourage their women to sit on community boards and all kinds of community stuff that would give stuff, right? (laughs) but would give them opportunities. And so I really appreciate some of the businesses in Utah doing that as well. And in turn, those are going to come back and benefit the company. Because as women get different opportunities to lead, they're going to become stronger leaders within their careers as well. That's true. Now, the fourth one for men. So again, as Robin said a few minutes ago, we pulled together all the comments and really came up with the top five that men talked about, Mm -hmm. and the top five that women and they really aligned. There's a few things that are different, but they really align. But the ranking is different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so the, the fourth one for men was recognition. And that actually was the second for women. It was it was mentioned by 73% of the women. So many, many women mentioned how vitally important it was for them to receive recognition and support with that specific aspect of leadership within their organization. That recognition looks different. In fact, I thought it was interesting. And I had to smile when when I looked at the results on women really do appreciate being nominated for awards. Men really didn't say that so much, but women did. Right. And so but we're talking about those highly visible kinds of recognition, but also even a quiet recognition. Right. That was one thing that we found fascinating between the discussions that the men gave and the women gave. Women talked about how critically important it was for them to get credit for their ideas. And we know that sometimes they don't. That women, if they're not speaking out in a way that's typically heard within a meeting or whatever, they can say something and then a man will repeat it. And, and you know and what? Say, I've heard job, this man. so many times. <laughs> Actually, most women I talk to do mention that this has happened to them. You know, it's especially common, in a boardroom right? setting where people are around the table. Maybe there's 10 people around the table. They mention an idea. It's not taken very seriously. Three people go by and talk, and then some uh, man says the same thing. Right. Um, and then people recognize them the men's comment and not the initial woman. And I love some of the examples that we got in our research right. that women appreciated men who would say, really call that out. And and you can do that in a fun way. You can you just can. say, thanks for building on what Karen just said or whatever. It doesn't have to be rude or blunt. Absolutely. Right? Because a lot of times it's unconscious. People aren't trying to be mean. They're not trying to destroy or put other people down. But the way that men and women sometimes communicate in these situations really gives us a different feeling. 
So those types of formal recognition for ideas, awards, uh, making sure that we're named to top 10 lists and things like that, that really can help move forward women in their careers in a big way. But the women in our study also talked about private recognition and how critical that was in terms of their confidence, as you mentioned before, but also in helping them really see their own skills and abilities in ways that maybe they hadn't and you, before. And when you're talking about private, you mean just even one-on-one. Absolutely. So their managers or their leaders just come by and talk and say, you know, I recognize what you're doing. Right. I, I loved what that. you did. Yeah. I see what you do. And hey, have you thought about using this skill that you have in this area and moving it over to this other situation? You'd be great at that. And sometimes women didn't imagine that they could do that. And then having that recognition for someone that they've already done and seeing new opportunities was really powerful for them. We and found that to be a fascinating part of the results. Yeah, it's, you know, the last one, we could talk more about that, because there's so much good uh, global and national research on that to help men and women as well. But the last one specifically for the men was what we call treating women as equals. Now, the women's was a little different in, in our category. Uh, we looked at on that one, that was third, and it was challenging gender discrimination and treating women as equals. Right. There was that extra component. A lot of the that men you didn't about, really see in the men. Right. right. A lot of the men talked about how I, of course, I champion women. I treat them just the same way I treat men, which is wonderful in certain circumstances. And if it's really happening, it's fantastic. And we know from the unconscious bias research that you aren't treating men and women right. the same. We hope that we're doing it. We try to we do try. it. But there are certain cer- situations where it's really not happening. So the men talked about how important it was to champion equality and make sure that women are getting treated fairly within the workplace. The women, on the other hand, when it got into this category, really shared some personal Mm -hmm. and painful stories and circumstances. And it really highlighted... Very personal, too. Yeah, absolutely. It highlighted the, the fact that even when men think they're doing a great job, there might be things that they're missing. There might be ways that they're treating women unfairly, treating, building on negative stereotypes or really reinforcing Or just those. even ignoring. Mm. That's one thing is you just don't even think to invite a woman to a, a, a woman to an event or you just get passed over sometimes because Absolutely. men will c- often, much more often connect with men. They right. Just, and, that's, and that's part of our changing workforce, yeah. right? Some of our uh, study members talked about the fact that this is different. They see differences in the way men treat women at work based on generational differences, right? So younger men are much more used to having women in the workforce, and so they don't see it as much. But when talking about the gender discrimination, one of the most powerful quotes in this entire body of research that I found was a woman who said, I think that so many men want to do great things, but they just don't know how. She said, so many of the barriers to women are invisible to men. Mm. which I think that's the reason why this research is so important because we've got great men who want to do great things, who want to be supportive and be great allies, and they just don't even see some of the places where women are being left behind, not being given opportunities. That's not within their, I mean, and we could say the same, the opposite. I mean, we don't understand men's experience totally. I mean, we just don't, we can't because we're not men and we're not not in that cultural setting. But interestingly, I did a presentation a couple of weeks ago and and one of the comments came from a transgender, a transgender individual who had been a man and was now a woman. And she said, 
actually, that within a day or so, when she started dressing like a woman, I have to say that she said I, I was treated totally different. Wow. So it's interesting to look at those things in terms of unconscious bias. I think this is fascinating research. And I know it'll make a difference because men need more tools. And women need to acknowledge that and help men understand, uh, reach out there and help them with tools sometimes. And really, for instance, like feedback, you know, being more direct. I want feedback. This is how you could give me feedback. Right. This is a, this is a process of giving feedback. And that's our major goal with this research and sharing this with the state is it will start to facilitate more conversations about what women can do to help inform the men at their organizations. Hey, this is what we need. And men can really start to learn. There are so many things that I can do to work to advance women into leadership. So this is a brief that we hope that you'll read. It's about five, six pages. And it really goes, it has great tables and goes into depth. We'll give more recommendations. Again, the key findings, those developmental relationships, those HR processes are important. We can't leave those behind. Leadership development, recognition in both public and private ways, and then treating women as equals and really trying to learn more about unconscious bias and that discrimination that women can feel, many women. In fact, I would say in some situations, most women would right, at least feel at very some point deeply. Felt it. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast series hosted by the Utah Women in Leadership Project at Utah Valley University. Our core mission is to strengthen the impact of Utah girls and women. If you would like to read this research we discussed today or learn more about our research, resources, and events, please visit us at utwomen.org. Thank you.